before we get started with the episode today, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the first season of Hooked. Today is the final episode. I'm so happy that all of you tuned in. Keep an eye on the Instagram. I will be posting when the second season is coming out. Okay, on to the episode. Welcome to Hooked. I'm Rachel, your guide through the perplexing and sometimes deadly world of internet catfishing. Why do people catfish, and how many lies can they tell before they get caught? Stick around to find out in this week's episode of Hooked. In 2011, two teenagers met on Xbox Live. Troy Woody, who went by TJ, was 13 years old, and Eric Taylor was 14. After establishing a friendship playing games, the guys started talking on AOL Instant Messenger. TJ told Eric that he was a hacker who had stolen strangers' credit card information online, and Eric was immediately impressed. He wanted to get into hacking, too. During their time online, TJ and Eric met Mir Islam, who went by Josh with his friends. Josh had moved to the Bronx from Bangladesh when he was a small child and had been diagnosed very young with a myriad of mental health issues. ADHD, OCD, depression, and bipolar disorder. Instead of taking medication to manage his disorders, Josh self-medicated with everything internet, gaming, chatting, and just like TJ, hacking. He ended up dropping out of high school and spending 15 to 18 hours a day on his computer or phone. I wasn't able to find out where Josh's parents were at this time, but given they were an immigrant family, they may have both been working long hours to achieve the elusive American dream. While Josh found the distraction of the internet soothing, it also radicalized him. Not only was he on sites like 4chan, but he also wanted to protest anti-piracy laws that were being proposed, as they would cramp his style even more than the current cybersecurity laws. Josh's form of protest was the creation of a group called UG Nazis. The Nazi part of the name was there for shock factor more than anything. The group had no link with the Nazi movement. The full name was Underground Nazi Hacktivist Group. It wasn't long after meeting TJ and Eric online, on separate occasions, that Josh inducted both boys into the group. TJ and Eric, in addition to dreams of being hackers, were impressed by Josh because he was an impressive 17 years old. But Josh was still a teenager. Everyone in the hacktivist group had a slew of cool pseudonyms. Their favorites were their god names. Josh was Josh the God, Eric was Cosmo the God, and TJ was Osama the God. As these gods, TJ, Eric, and Josh would do what they called social engineering. They'd find a little bit of someone's information online, then call the customer service line of that person's bank, phone service, or health insurance, and try to get more personal information about that person, like their social security number, bank information, or credit card number. They would also get the data from large sites and use that as their starting point. They successfully accessed the data from Cloudflare, 4chan, UFC.com, and the billing service WHMCS. TJ also claimed that he had been the one to take down the Papa John's site after they took too long to deliver his pizza. As UG Nazi grew, many new members joined, and TJ slowly became the group's leader. Even so, Josh was able to push him around. One night, TJ told Josh that his parents were making him sign off his computer, and Josh called TJ's house over and over until TJ was allowed to sign back on. During the spring and summer of 2012, UG Nazi was stealing credit card information, as per usual, but little did they know they were being watched by the FBI, who were in the midst of a sting called Operation Card Shop. 
In June, Josh was arrested in Manhattan after accepting fake stolen card information from an underground FBI agent. Josh immediately turned on the other UGN group members, and TJ and Eric were hauled in. Because of their young ages, TJ and Eric got very light punishments. 14-year-old TJ wasn't punished at all, and 15-year-old Eric got six years of probation. Josh's sentence isn't known, but since he was 18, he almost certainly got jail time. But because he most likely cooperated with the government, he got a lighter sentence. But giving him that lighter sentence was a mistake. While out on bail, Josh paid for personal information that he and other UG Nazis used to dox Arnold Schwarzenegger, Joe Biden, Kim Kardashian, and many others. They also swatted people like Brian Krebs and Wayne LaPierre. If you don't know, swatting is when the SWAT team is alerted to a fake, dangerous situation at the target's home, and the target is unaware that the SWAT team is coming. When the SWAT team arrives, the victim is usually on some kind of public livestream, whether they be gaming or just chatting with fans, so that the perpetrators can watch and laugh. But while the perps find this hilarious, many swattings have ended in someone on the victim's end being killed by the SWAT team. In the same vein, Josh called in an active shooter threat at the University of Arizona. He chose that school because a girl he'd been cyberstalking went there. Again, most of Josh's records are sealed, but I hope his sentence was affected. For the most part, TJ and Eric stayed out of any serious trouble for the next few years, at least as far as the police knew. TJ became kind of an influencer on Instagram. I say kind of because while TJ had about 200,000 followers, many of them were purchased. He loved to post pictures of his alleged high-flying lifestyle and the merch it included, like Rolexes, BMWs, and the hideous-sounding jewel-covered loafers. Because TJ wasn't a real influencer, and so wasn't being sent these products by companies for free, people who knew what he was up to had no idea how he afforded this stuff. Some people suspected that he had again been purchasing stolen credit card information on the dark web. Eric, too, had moved on. He moved to Hollywood, become a model, and used his hacking powers for good by becoming a cybersecurity researcher. TJ came to Hollywood with him, and the two moved into a shared apartment in July 2018. TJ was 21, and Eric was 22. Around the time the men arrived in California, TJ purchased a Snapchat account from an acquaintance. The account was registered under the name Mac Miller, a rapper who had just under three months of life left when TJ bought this account. The account was of course not actually Miller's, but while there were probably dozens of accounts on Snapchat claiming to be Miller's real account, the account TJ now had got sent plenty of DMs from young women, hopeful they'd found Miller's official account. TJ answered as though he were Miller, encouraging them to send him pictures of themselves. One of these young women was 23-year-old Tommy Masters. Tommy, originally from a town of fewer than 200 people, was living just outside of LA in 2018. She'd been living there since 2014 and worked for American Original Collective starting the same year. American Original Collective was a medical marijuana company, and working there was a dream for Tommy. She was a fan of weed, but it wasn't just for the discounts that she was working at the collective. Tommy was artsy and wanted to design weed accessories, one day owning her own business. She also enjoyed working at the collective because she was able to help improve the lives of her customers who were there for tragic reasons. The collective often served people who were nearing the end of their lives due to cancer or other terminal illnesses. Tommy especially loved finding the right strain to help these customers. 
According to Tommy's friends and family, she'd wanted to be in the weed business since her teens, and appreciated pot herself because, as a very thin 4'11 woman, pot helped her put on weight. Tommy's boss at the collective, Sean DeGroth, loved having Tommy as an employee and considered her his right-hand man and something of a little sister. He encouraged Tommy to start actually making the accessories she had planned in her head, and Tommy started selling them under the label Trippy Hippie. After working at the collective for a while, Tommy started dating a co-worker named Tyler. Everyone liked the two of them together. Boss Sean considered Tyler a younger sibling as well, and was happy to see these two great people together. They moved in together and seemed to be headed for a future as a couple. But in the spring of 2018, Tyler was offered a job in Tennessee, and Tommy decided to stay in California. Rather than do the long-distance thing, they decided to break up. A few months after cutting ties with Tyler, Tommy met Mac Miller on Snapchat. This was, of course, the Mac Miller account TJ ran, but Tommy wanted to think it was the real Miller and sent him some tame selfies. Miller responded, confirming that he was, in fact, Mac, and telling Tommy that she was beautiful. Tommy was elated. Out of the thousands of messages Miller probably got, he'd chosen to engage with her. But Tommy wasn't a credulous young woman. She showed Sean the Mac Miller account and asked him if he thought it was legit. Sean said nothing seemed to miss with the profile. Maybe it really was Miller. He was still suspicious, though. While Tommy was attractive, why had Miller chosen her to talk to out of all the girls who messaged him? Tommy and Miller kept chatting and sending pictures back and forth, though Miller never sent any containing his face. Even so, when Miller suggested they meet up in person at the Dave & Buster's in Hollywood, Tommy said yes. Unlike most catfish, TJ actually showed up for the date. Afraid of Tommy's reaction, though, he brought Eric along. Where TJ was timid and on the shorter side, Eric was a hulking 6'7". Tommy was of course a little startled that neither of the two men waiting for her were the rapper she thought she'd been talking to, but she didn't immediately turn around and leave. Instead, she decided to stay and see what TJ had to say. TJ told her that he ran a fake account because he was a hacker for the government. Some people's life goals never change. Later, after everything that happened happened, he'd say he didn't tell Tommy his real name while they were chatting because he didn't want her to Google him and see that he was associated with the UG Nazis. But even with all the weirdness, Tommy stayed at Dave & Buster's with TJ and Eric and saw the date out. The next day, she told Sean that she still thought the date had been fun, but Sean thought TJ sounded like bad news. Quote, I told her that's very sketchy. You can't be in a relationship with this person. But Tommy was an adult, and Sean could only advise her what to do. He couldn't do anything about it when she decided to keep seeing TJ. Now that TJ's real identity was out, he sent Tommy pictures on Snapchat that aligned with his Instagram influencer persona. Wads of cash, Rolexes, and bottles of Dom Perignon. The two would go on dates at popular LA restaurants and eat caviar. This kind of life had never been a goal of Tommy's, but she was enjoying living it. The couple texted constantly and took pictures together, though TJ would always cover his nose, mouth, and chin anytime he was in a picture. This was a fad back in 2017, and while I've heard it was done by young people so Facebook couldn't auto-identify their faces in pictures, thereby letting everyone know what they've been up to the night before, I couldn't find any concrete evidence that it was that and not just the latest stupid selfie fad. In any case, Tommy's friends could not understand what a sweet girl like Tommy saw in a loser like TJ. They watched helplessly as Tommy moved into TJ and Eric's shared apartment. 
In the early hours of September 4th, 2018, the trio's apartment was broken into. The residents were all held at gunpoint while the burglars stole TJ's laptop, phone, and watches. TJ filed a police report at 3 a.m., saying that he was worried the thieves were after his crypto fortune and might be back for the password. As much as she liked TJ, Tommy was suspicious about this break-in. The thieves had told the residents that they were from the FBI, but a robbery isn't a very FBI thing to do, and the police report not only had few details on it, but TJ had given the police the wrong address, so there couldn't be any follow-up. Tommy suspected TJ or Eric had staged the break-in. Staged or not, Tommy had been shaken by the robbery. She took one day off of work, then two, then four. This was strange. Tommy rarely missed any days of work, let alone a full week. She also was barely responding to Sean DeGroff's texts. On the fourth day, a man came into the collective and asked Sean, What's up with Tommy? Why is she asking me for a gun? The man showed Sean Tommy's texts, which read, A hitman is after me and my boyfriend. I need a gun that can't have a serial number on it. This scared Sean, who told Tommy, You're not in Taken. This is not a movie. This is not who you are or the lifestyle you live. Tommy agreed, but said she had to help TJ get out of the country. Then she asked for more days off so the couple could visit both of their families. Tommy and TJ drove to Ohio to have dinner with Tommy's dad and siblings. The family wanted to give him a chance, but he didn't give them a very good first impression. Tommy's brother Mitchell said that TJ was rude to Tommy and not her type at all. Another sibling noticed that Tommy had bruises on her neck. When they asked Tommy about it, Tommy begged them not to tell their parents, saying that her and TJ's relationship wasn't as bad as it seemed. TJ made the same impression on Tommy's mom, whom they visited next in Tommy's hometown. The couple then went to Virginia to see TJ's family. Tommy told her parents that they'd be getting their passports in Virginia in preparation for a vacation in the Philippines. But this was never intended to be a relaxed trip. TJ had picked the Philippines for a reason. Josh Islam was there. After serving his sentence for Operation Card Shop in 2012, Josh couldn't stay out of jail for long. From 2013 to 2017, Josh was in and out of various California prisons. In 2016, Josh wrote to a sentencing judge in New York, I used all the knowledge and skills I had for wrong things. Now I must use them for all the right things I can do. The judge seemed to know that Josh was full of shit and did not release him early. The next year, Josh again tried to get early release due to the fact that, according to him, when he had jumped bail in 2012, he'd only done it because his psychiatrist had switched up his meds and he was crazy at the time. Finally, in 2018, he managed to convince someone of his rehabilitation. He wrote the district court judge that he couldn't possibly be a cyber threat anymore because, after years in prison, he barely understood technology at all. I am physically harmless. Now I am cyber harmless, he wrote. A 13-year-old playing World of Warcraft online is more dangerous than me. He claimed he couldn't even hack his own Facebook page. Josh was released on May 18, 2018. One of his many conditions was that he couldn't leave the country, but he got around that by using his brother's Bangladeshi passport to get to the Philippines. His plane touched down on July 24th. Tommy and TJ wouldn't arrive there until October. Their trip wasn't a secret. While at the airport, Tommy posted a picture of her passport with the caption, It's that time, bitches. A later picture appears to be from a layover in the Abu Dhabi airport, with the caption, Down the rabbit hole I go. The couple arrived in Manila and went to their Airbnb, which was a fancy, popular apartment on the 14th floor of a complex called Avita Towers. 
Not long after their arrival, though, Tommy texted her dad and told him that she didn't like Manila. Not only was it crowded and dirty, she said, but TJ was spending all his time at Josh's apartment, and Tommy was not invited. There was a strip mall nearby the complex, but there weren't sidewalks, making it hard to casually stroll over there to window shop. When Tommy and Josh finally met, they instantly disliked each other. Josh expected Tommy to be a subservient girlfriend, keeping quiet while the guys worked, only interrupting to bring them drinks and snacks. The guys told Tommy they were working on a startup called Luxor, that's L-U-X-R, which was, quote, a service that allows users to purchase securities with cryptocurrency. Most likely, though, they were just hacking, and Tommy suspected this. Tommy texted people saying she was getting more uncomfortable with every passing day because she was pretty sure TJ and Josh were laundering Bitcoin and selling drugs. Eventually, Tommy's family and friends believed that TJ had gained control of Tommy's phone and social media. The texts and pictures she was sending were not like her. Her dad was sent a picture of Tommy and TJ kissing, which Tommy's dad said she'd never send in a million years. Friends were sent much more explicit pictures. This proof that Tommy was no longer in control sent Tommy's friends into a frenzy. Sean sent Tommy a message saying that if she wanted to come home, he would help her and house her. She didn't answer. But on November 3rd, she finally contacted him, writing, I wish I listened to you. I wish I was home. I want to be home. Please don't respond to this. Sean told a mutual friend about this message, and the friend said, I'm going to buy her a plane ticket back right now. I don't trust them. A few hours later, though, the friend told Sean they'd talked to Tommy. She's staying. Her boyfriend ditched his friends she thought he shouldn't be hanging around with. I talked to her. She's fine. She's staying, and she's happy about it. Sean rather doubted this, but he couldn't do anything. In mid-December, over a month after this attempt to get her home, Tommy called her dad and asked him for some money. She told him that she and TJ had a fight and she'd shattered his laptop. The money was for a new one. We know this incident really happened and wasn't just a ploy to get TJ money because Josh was texting his online girlfriend, June, when the fight was going on. He wrote, TJ's life is like television for me. LOL, Tommy broke TJ's laptop, so TJ told his mom he was going to get rid of Tommy. He also sent June a picture of the shattered laptop. While on the phone with her, Tommy's dad told her that if she and TJ were fighting, she needed to come home. Tommy agreed, saying she wanted to get back to work, but for tonight, she just needed to replace TJ's laptop. I'm sure you won't be surprised to learn that Tommy later canceled her plans to go back to California. Knowing Tommy clearly couldn't extricate herself from the situation, a friend told Tommy she'd come visit her in Manila for Tommy's birthday on January 11th. Unfortunately, Tommy wouldn't live that long. In the very early hours of the morning of December 21st, 2018, Josh got a flurry of texts from TJ. Please come, bro. Drop everything. Come, please, very fast. TJ said he was at Wendy's. My arms are cut bad. I don't want to get arrested, looking all scratched up. Josh arrived in a taxi to meet TJ, and they went back to the Airbnb he'd shared with Tommy. According to Josh, TJ told him that Tommy had suddenly up and went to Amsterdam, and he needed help moving her stuff. The guys picked up a big box from a furniture store and brought it to the apartment. TJ told Josh to wait outside, giving the reason that the apartment was too small for the two of them to be in there at once, despite Josh having visited when both TJ and Tommy were there. Josh waited outside the building for about half an hour before going up to the 14th floor. When he entered the apartment, he saw what was left of a ton of splintered wood. TJ had cleaned up most of the bigger pieces and put them into the box. The splintered wood had come from the bed, which was broken. 
TJ and Josh hauled the box full of trash downstairs, hailed a cab, and the cab driver helped them put the box in the trunk. Considering it was about 2 a.m. at this point, the driver was a little suspicious about the box, and even more so when, on the way to their final destination, he was requested to stop along the Pasig River, where the guys dumped the box. That was Josh's version of events. TJ's was a little different. According to him, the giant box just showed up outside his apartment, pre-filled with garbage, and he and Josh had just thrown it into the river without looking inside or even worrying why a random giant box full of trash had been left on the 14th floor of a swanky apartment building. Talking to the police the same day as the men had tossed the box, TJ said, Until the police arrested me, I thought I was only moving all this garbage. He said that he'd only carried the box, quote, with one other person. He kept pretending that he didn't really know Josh. When asked if he was suspicious of how heavy the box was, TJ replied, no, because I don't know what a dead body feels like. TJ claimed he had been at the strip mall at Tommy's estimated time of death, but his torso, hands, and arms were covered in scratches. It was pretty obvious he'd had a hand in Tommy's demise. The scratches might have come from Tommy fighting back or from contact with broken glass. When the box was opened, Tommy's body was covered in shattered glass. She'd been wrapped in black plastic and duct tape. She was completely naked. Her cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation, and TJ eventually told the police he'd choked Tommy to death during sex. However, this seemed unlikely. While Tommy had certainly been choked by him before, since her siblings had seen bruises on her neck, there was no sign of strangulation on her now. In fact, there was no outer sign of assault at all. Members of Tommy's family believed that while she and TJ were struggling, Josh came up behind Tommy and put a plastic bag over her head. Both Tommy's dad and brother believed she'd been killed because she knew too much about some kind of criminal activity on TJ and Josh's part. TJ and Josh's friend Eric, remember him, said that Josh would have had to been part of the crime because TJ wouldn't have been able to kill someone on his own. Josh's girlfriend, however, doesn't believe he was involved, telling BuzzFeed News that Joshy would never kill anyone. On December 26th, a few days after the men had been arrested, representatives from the U.S. Embassy came to visit them in prison. It was decided that neither man would be deported because of the seriousness of the crime. They would be tried first in the Philippines, where if they were found guilty of murder, the minimum punishment would be 20 years incarceration. While awaiting trial, Josh had two female visitors, both in their late teens or early 20s. These appeared to be friends of June, as one texted June a picture of Josh in his cell, and the other sent a picture of a note Josh had written to June, reading, June, this is Josh. TJ has a lawyer already. I need you now, June. You want me to come back to the USA? Well, I need to beat this case here, and then I can be deported. If you don't get me a lawyer, I do not know what will happen, June. I'm counting on you. I know you truly love me. I need you now more than ever. Josh. It seems both TJ and Josh were convicted of murder in the Philippines, though coverage of this case stops in the summer of 2019. I believe at some point they will also be tried in the U.S. After finding out that Tommy had been murdered, her friends and family had to suffer even more, as a government shutdown in the Philippines kept her ashes from being sent to her family for six additional weeks. People who loved Tommy in California and Indiana held a memorial service in each place without her remains. Tommy's boss, Sean, feels that Tommy didn't get enough from life. Quote, she needed love. She wanted love. She gave out love unconditionally and got so little in return. Thanks for checking out Hooked this week. We'll be back next week with a new story. But for right now, you can find me on social media on Twitter at HookedPodcast1, that's the number one at the end, 
on Instagram at Hooked Podcast and on Facebook at Hooked the Podcast. Also, I'd love it if you left me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like what I'm doing, head on over to patreon.com slash hookedthepod, where you can get access to early episodes and regularly released bonus episodes. Again, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.